Yo, 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 Thought Warriors. Watch and listen to Higher Learning where we dissect the biggest topics in black entertainment, politics, and sports. Twice a week, we react to the most important and timely conversations, often inviting guests to offer unique perspectives. Listen to Higher Learning free only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Adam Crow is here taping this on a Monday. He recently celebrated his uh, 40th anniversary of masturbation. 11 splint on your hand. 11. I, well, God. I think you really celebrated it. No, well, this is good. Good timing. Crazily, 11th anniversary of podcasting today, 11 years. Really? And I thank you because I don't know when I did your first podcast from your garage. I know exactly your when old it was. House. What was that date? It was uh, May 2007. Wow. So I started. When I didn't even have two microphones in my little guest house, my house in the back, and you had to call in from my landline and wander around. Stood the out in the driveway, twenty feet away from me, and we did a podcast that way. <laughs> early, te- early technology. I couldn't stand in the room you were in because it would feed back over the mic. Right. So you're just wandering outside. I think, the- I think people forget there was a thing between the phone that was mounted on the wall in the kitchen and your mobile phone. There yeah. was a phone that was a cordless phone. Yep, and that's what I was using. Right. Back in the day. Um, standing in the driveway. All right, crazy. So now I'm 11 years in. You're 13 years in or so, something yeah, like I'm that. A, this is going to be in May. It'll be 13 years. But when Jesus you... Jesus Christ. So you were doing your radio show. I was doing my radio show. I would stop by on my way home from the radio show. Right. I would go by your first house out in the garage, and then your second house in the den... Basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. we move from the garage, or you move from the garage. Really to the primitive den. equipment. Now the equipment's actually pretty nice now. Anybody can start a podcast, and it can sound pretty decent. Well, back was, then, not the case. It was funny. I want to do this thing called "Rich Man Poor Man," which is something I came up with when I was at Kimmel with yeah. you. I think a million years ago, and I'll I'll launch into it, or maybe I'll just get into it now because the podcast. Rich Man Poor Man. Yeah, does the, Kyle know that the one? The podcast no. kind of reminds me of this. <laughs> uh, doing a pod. So a million years ago, it's a game I play on my podcast, and people tweet me them all day, and they make me laugh. So yeah. so when we're at Kimmel and we're sitting around the writers table, you know, 13, 15, I don't know, fifteen years ago. Fifteen years ago. Fifteen years ago, uh, I was sitting there and I thought an outdoor shower. 
I thought, if you're taking an outdoor shower, you're either super rich or super poor. With no in-between. No, the middle class doesn't take an outdoor shower. Yeah. You're either by the pool cabana, just had a tennis lesson, and you're, t- <laughs> you're showering off, or in your front yard, just made of dirt, and you're standing in a tub with like a right. busted hose. So this is rich man, poor man. And somebody tweeted me, building your own podcast studio. It's like rich man, poor man. You're either physically making a studio or you're in your apartment and you got a folding table and your mom's yeah, helping you set it up in the kitchen. And, yeah. Right. All right. So you ready for rich man, poor man? That's a really good rich man, poor man. Um, people give you clothing and hope you wear them, like the red carpet versus the goodwill. Oh, yeah. Uh, like when, like, Beyonce's at the Grammys. Right. You get free clothes and people hope you wear them. Or when you donate free clothes to that family, you know, you hope they put them on. When you go into a fancy department store, somebody who works at that department store runs toward you screaming, may I help you? That's a rich man, poor man right there. (laughs) You have a refrigerator in your yard. Could either be Amstel lights in the back next to the pool and the tennis court, or there's raccoons screwing in it, and it's just laying <laughs> open. But it's refrigerator and yard. Um, here's one you have to think about, but it's very true with me. Never eaten at an Outback Steakhouse. I was too poor to afford an Outback Steakhouse, and now I'm way too rich to eat at an Outback Steakhouse. We're going to Morton's or Larry's or whatever it is. I've I, never eaten at an Outback Steakhouse because I've been too poor and too rich. I did Ugly Delicious with Chang uh, mm-hmm. for his Netflix show. It comes out in, I think, March 6th, and we went to Outback Steakhouse. That was our thing. It was about different ways to make steak. I'd never been. Ironically, It was though, really but, good. But you may have been rich man, poor man, too, without... Outback Steakhouse. Like True. When you were 23, you couldn't afford Outback Steakhouse. I, I ne- I've never been in my entire and life. Now you, you're too you're too wealthy. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <laughs> drives a car that no longer exists. A car make that no longer exists. Oh, like a Meaning, DeLorean? So, no. Like, yeah. Like, Leno drives a Duesenberg around, and my stepdad drives a 74 AMC Matador. But both <laughs> defunct. Rich and poor. Um, has had sex near a fountain. <laughs> Picture that big fountain. So at this is like Park. the Kennedy compound in Martha's Vineyard. Or it's not a middle Park. class move. I'm saying it's either a compound or it's the fountain off of uh, Los Feliz in Griffith yeah. Park. And you're just on the ground. Right. You know what I'm saying? Possibly in the fountain. I don't know. Leaning against the phone. All right, I got a couple more. Greatly affected by raising the minimum wage. You either work at the Taco Bell or you own 128 of them. Right. I got uh, I got one more. Um, lives next door to a rapper. You're either with Kim and Kanye in Calabasas. Or you're in some miniature apartment in Van Nuys and you got some white kid next to you who's too super skinny and 14. He goes by the handle of mayonnaise and he's like rapping <laughs> all day. Mayonnaise. That's my white rap name. <laughs> mayonnaise. You know, my with son's a rap name is Melatonin. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. 
All right. So uh, those are my rich man. I, I like that you immediately launched into your act. I, I wasn't I, expecting that. I, I've been really, you know, the thing that's funny about rich man, poor man, I've been screwing around with it for a million years. Now you're honing it like a, like a golf swing almost. And, and like 10 years ago, I was in a parking lot on um, CBS Radford and I go, I saw Jerry Seinfeld. Like I was like, Ooh, there's Jerry Seinfeld. And I know him, like, I don't really know him, but we, maybe we know who we are. And he just walked right up to me and he goes, that rich man, poor man bit, that's your bit. Like, that's your, that's your signature bit. And I'm like, it is? <laughs> like, I just screw around with it. Jesus. But I started thinking, you know, who are you going to, you know, no one, you're going to take notes from Seinfeld and stand up. So I just started he writing them down. Right. I felt like you had a lot of signature bits. <laughs> that's the problem. A lot means none. When we found each other in the Kimmel writer's room, I'd never had anyone else in my life who was willing to talk for 45 straight minutes about terrible movies on cable. Oh, man. And no, that I, was really how we bonded. I got one plan for you today, man. Oh, you Are you doing a fake movie later? I got a fake movie later. And I... I look, I don't want to... You know, you always want to uh, under-promise and over-deliver. Yeah. And I want to manage expectations. But I think you're going to love okay, this Okay, great. One. You're going to love this We one. have a lot to talk about. Well, you were going to watch this anyway, but I wanted yeah. you to watch Wilder Fury, the rematch on Saturday night. It was the most anticipated heavyweight fight in a long time. It was a fascinating event that lost me money, as always. Mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out a way to lose money in sporting events. And now Fury is looming, now that he's got his shit together. Right. As pretty much the most imposing heavyweight champ we've had probably since Lennox Lewis when we thought Lennox Lewis was really good. 6'9", 270, has his shit together in a lot of different ways now, has the ringmanship, has power. Yep. He can clinch with the guy and then put the guy, bend him down and just kind of wear him down. And I'm not totally sure how you beat him the way he looked on Saturday night. You know, there's certain guys, I think, I always said this about like John Jones in the UFC. I said, nobody's going to beat John Jones. John Jones can beat himself. He can get into drugs. He can get into trouble. He can run around with the wrong people. But as long as he stays focused and trains and is healthy, no one's going to beat John Jones. And turns out he did get into trouble and he did screw yeah. himself. And he still hasn't getting beaten, but it screwed him up a little bit. I feel like Tyson Fury is like, I feel, I'd say the same thing about him. If he trains he doesn't drink 37 diet cokes a day and stays focused i'm not sure who in this modern era is going to beat him i don't think anthony joshua is going to beat him I don't, no certainly ruiz is not going to beat him i mean there's a couple guys out there but i don't think so because he has skills for a guy who's that long so boxing is like gymnastics, you know, like gymnastics, like a bunch of guys that are five foot seven because guys that are six, three can't tumble that way and can't do all that. And boxing historically was always that way. You see the middle weight guys looking like real sharpshooters and stuff. And you see yeah. the heavyweights, especially when they got into the super heavyweights, they look kind of clumsy and gangly or whatever. He's a guy who's six, nine he has a wingspan, like a condor and he has form which you never formally saw. Like in the past, Mike Tyson, you know, 5'10 and a half, could beat a guy who was 6'5 because the 6'5 guy was like too gangly. Then Lennox Lewis was like, and and then the Klitschko's were like the first real tall guys who also had form. He's now taking it to the next level. There was a knockdown in that fight where he switched from an orthodox stance 
to like a southpaw stance, sort of in the middle of a punch, threw a left hook and then went right to the liver with right. a left, with another left. And you don't see really long heavyweights, like super heavyweights, doing that shot where they take their bad arm, their left arm, they throw a good hook to the head and then go right back to the body with that. That's middleweight activity. So if you're going to have a guy like that, who's that size, who has that kind of reach over everybody, good luck. I watched it again to prepare for this, and I was so surprised by how easily he was able to get two punches in as Wilder was was loading up his right hand. Right. And Wilder's plan was like, I don't mind taking some punches because eventually I'm knocking you out with my right hand. And just every time Fury was one, two, one, two, moving forward, had him had him moving back and was just quicker each time for a six nine guy, that seems like impossible. Yeah, and also when you're wilder and, and I mean we saw it with Tyson at some point, when you're used to being the bully and then you get bullied, you just don't have another gear you can shift into yeah you're the bully that's how it works once buster douglas starts coming out there firing jabs and throwing the right behind it you don't really have a plan for that you have you have the michael spinks i'm gonna go hide in the corner plan but you don't really have the guy coming after you and while that's a good the douglas thing's a good example because that whole fight he's just beating tyson each time they're about to exchange and mike thinks Oh, I'm going to get him this time. Douglas like one, two, boom. Yeah. And Douglas is a, a guy who's fighting Tyson when everyone else is scared. So fighting Tyson back in the day, it used to be like being abducted by terrorists. If you were like a camera crew in Baghdad or something, it's like yeah. you got one chance. Once you get into the van, that's it's over, you know, and you go, well, what are my chances outside of the van? It's like not very good. But that's your chance. Right. You know, get up there and trade and throw haymakers. If you're in there trying not to get hurt, Tyson walks you down and destroys you. And you watch a lot of those Tyson fights. A lot of those guys made the decision to get in the get in the van. Right. Like they didn't want to just go out and throw a haymaker. They're moving backwards. They're moving backward. They're looking out for stuff and they get dropped every well, time. Well, Wyatt didn't want to move backwards and by you know, after he got nailed a few times, all of a sudden was going backwards and he was going against the ropes and doing stuff that all, all, I hadn't really seen him do Also, before. I can tell you from being hit behind the head. Right, he was never the same. By Mario that. Lopez. <laughs> I sparred with Mario Lopez once and he clocked me behind the head real good. Yeah. You get hit behind the head, you're not right for a week. Right. Like, you get busted in the nose, busted in the eye, busted in the mouth, it hurts. Hit behind the head is super... You're disoriented for a long period of time. And that's why it's illegal. That's why it's illegal. And the thing about it is, is they do it, and then the ref goes, hey, man, no more of that. Meanwhile, the the guy's on on Mars over there because you just hit him. When that shot, you thought hit him in the ear, really hit him behind the head, and he went down, you feel like a weird little electric shock go through your foot when you get hit that way. Like it's literally like your circuits get disrupted. And then when you get up, I don't care how much toweling off and sponge water you get in the corner. You're not right for, for days. You've been concussed. Well, I'm, I, I, it's going to be too hard for me to find the text I sent to Sal, but I was talking about the fight over the weekend. I was like, I think Fury's a fraud. I don't believe in him at all. I think this is ridiculous. I think Wilder is going to absolutely knock him out. Yeah. My bet is on Wilder minus 110 by knockout. 
Yeah. Fury has no chance. This guy is going to be in the WWE in six months. I, I, I couldn't have been more wrong. I picked Wilder, knockout in the seventh. You think Tyson Fury, if he gets, if he keeps his shit together, he's 30, he's here for the long haul. He's 30, 31. He's young. Do you for, know what's for crazy? Heavy, for heavyweight. He is basically the same size as LeBron James. And I think right. LeBron might even be 10, 15 pounds heavier than him. But he's 6'9", 270. And you just think like, in the NBA, this guy's a power forward. Right. In the yeah. NFL, he's actually too big to be a tight end. Right. He So if he's going to have the ringmanship that he has, I don't really... And, and he keeps his nose clean and all that stuff. I don't really see the game plan to beat him. Uh, I, I guess you trade punches with them and hope you knock them down first. That's about it. I, I think that if he stays clean and stays focused and also heavyweights, you can fight to your 42, you know, right. he, he, and he's 30 or 31. I mean, he could have a decade long reign. He, yeah. he, he really, he really could. And I, I don't know what, you know, I, you know, maybe Wilder could change up some of his training and put on a little his muscle corner. or, yeah something and come back but it's also when you've been beaten down like when you've when you when you've really been disrupted emotionally like wilder like i don't know if he comes back emotionally from this you know right. he'll come back physically but it, he, when you really get busted up it, it's tough it's tough psychologically to come back i want to talk about fatherhood with you yeah your kids are 13 yep you've twins yep i have a 14 year old and a 12 year old so it's like we're even. Yeah, we're pretty much combined age. <laughs> At some point, it, it's adorable to have kids for years and years. Mm -hmm. And then at some point, they just become people who are renting a room in your house. Yeah. And, and occasionally you cross paths with them. They're not right. that interested in hanging out with us anymore. No. As a matter of fact, sadly, when I was driving in, I was just listening to the, the Kobe Memorial. Yeah. And they were talking about his daughter and his other daughters. And I was like, they're so much better than my kids. <laughs> right. like, they love doing homework. They helped each other. They spoke Mandarin. Yeah, they, they, were, they, they tutored all the time. I, I felt the same way. I was, I was like, like I, I have a terrible relationship with my kids, apparently. My kid's in his room playing Fortnite. <laughs> and when I walk in, he yells, get the Grubhub guy and bust it in. <laughs> And then he yells, good talk, talk to you in college. Like, what the hell? Who's now? I, I get it. Like, maybe there's a little hyperbole there, but all I could think of is these kids were so much better than my kids. Do you think we would have been the same way with all the devices when we were 13? I mean, tougher for you. I was probably a little closer to my parents than, than you were. But I, I, I think there's so many ways to just disappear now with all the technology. You don't even really need human interaction. I literally said to my son last night when I walked in and he was wearing his, you know, Time Life operator headset and looking at his phone and battling someone. <laughs> talking in, to somebody who lives in, in the Philippines. With, for four, <laughs> yeah, probably talking to some pedophile in Ukraine who thought he was 13, you know. Right. He's going at, I just looked at him and I said, hey, and he's got the... He's got the Shake Shack burger containers like stacked up a pyramid on top of his desk, all spent. And I just looked at him and I said, look, I I'm being serious. When you're in therapy later, don't blame me. I told you to get away from this. I said, stop it. Go outside and, you know, kick a hacky sack around or play some ditch or something. So remember, when you're like sitting with your therapist, don't pin it on me. Don't do that thing where it's like they should have never let me. Don't. I tried a thousand times. This is your decision. 
leave me out of it. Well, it's so funny that the 40th anniversary of the Olympic hockey team was I this watched weekend. it last night. Yeah, and then Marika was on all this stuff. And I have a really hard time explaining to people under 30 what like a transformative moment it was. And it mostly had to do with the fact that we didn't have a lot to do in 1980. Right. We had yeah. like the 10 channels. We, no, it, on a Friday, you might walk down to the local dump and look for Playboys and baseball cards and sure. Sports Illustrated. For this to fall out of the sky, this amazing underdog story, where it was on tape delay, we didn't have the internet to get it, to have it ruined. Well, and this amazing thing, and, and then we all got to share it with each other. It was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. You know, it's interesting back then when there were you know three stations and they didn't have the internet and all that kind of stuff. No video games. It took. The stuff that were zero burgers, like the Dukes of Hazard and the Love Boat yeah. and all that kind of stuff, and turned it into a 40 share on TV. You right. know, like it took the stuff that was a zero and made it into an eight. And then the stuff that was actually something, like the American hockey team, that then just turned into an 11. Right. You know, that just was the biggest thing ever. So it took stuff like, you know, this nation, hockey today i mean cold it, war it get a little traction into today's world but my son wouldn't be moved by that 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 event i'm not really sure what would have a collective impact like that from a sports standpoint the closest thing we have at this point is the super bowl but you're never going to have an underdog situation like that and if right. we and if we did both you and i would probably end up losing money on it I was watching that and I forgot the 30 for 30 on it and I forgot they pulled the goalie. I mean, at you know, during the during the break, they pulled the goalie and it was 2-2. Like, all right, he gave up two goals. Oh like, yeah, they it, they the greatest goalie of all time, the Tretiak. Why do they took him out? I get that they're sending a message, but send the message after you guys win the game, not during the game. The Miracle movie, which I was against when I heard about it, because I was like, fuck you. you don't, we don't need a movie about the greatest moment of all time. I'm really glad it happened now. I like Kurt Russell as Herb Brooks. I think, I think we they did a good job with together. it. Oh, we definitely did. In Italy. The worst movie we saw together was Troy. We saw that together? Yeah, it was almost like a grinder date. I was like, let's go see oh, Troy. <laughs> I, I thought it was The Marine. I thought The Marine was the worst movie. I kind of enjoyed the parade. Troy was yeah. bad. Troy was actively bad. I was sitting with uh, Chris Morgan, who writes all the Fast and Furious movies and produces yeah. all those things. And he's a real nice guy. And he's a neighbor. And we, we just hang out sometimes. We'll just go to the local whatever and have some have some martinis on a Saturday and just talk. And I remember once I was saying to him a few months ago, I was like, uh, you know, I'm. it's this weird thing because I'm like, I love Fast and Furious, and then I'll go. I love bad movies, but not not that bad. Right? I mean, not your movie. Not yours. Not yours. yours. I mean, I like other. I go. I go. I go. Me and Bill Simmons went to see the Marine. That's how much I love bad movies. He's like, yeah, that was my movie. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, you got to be careful because these guys yeah, had true. careers. Like they did things before they did their franchise. You, I, you know what I mean? I didn't see Twenty One Bridges in the theater, but to me, that's like perfect wheelhouse thing. I had this night, it was Saturday night, my son had a sleepover, my wife had to go to some event, and my daughter was on a date, and I was home for like three and a half hours, and I'm like, it's time, 21 Bridges, right? Bozeman, right. and uh, I, I just wish those movies came out once a week. Yeah. It was everything I wanted. It's not going to win the Oscar, mm. 
there's, you know, there's maybe some bad cops, little J.K. Simmons, Sienna Miller with an accent. Mm. Um, you know, the heist gone wrong. Yeah. Always when a heist goes wrong, I'm always there. Yeah. It was just good. It was solid. I just wish they made more of them. I wish Netflix, their algorithm, which I think is just turning out true crime, horror movies, rom-coms, but yet when they do like triple threat and these different with the one that Frank Grillo was in and things like that, I was like, just more of those. I the algorithm to make those. I figure I know the new algorithm for Netflix and TBS and like all USA Today. I realized that if you add a mother's nightmare behind the title, you'll just get everyone to watch it because <laughs> all, all because we have a problem, which is our wives don't have real problems. Yeah. So they have to sit around and watch shows about kids being abducted so they can actually create problems in their head. And if you look at these things, every single one of them is tagged with a mother's nightmare. And once you hear mother's nightmare, all the women are drawn in. Is that, does that explain the lifetime movie slate? Yeah. They literally changed one of the names of their titles to a mother's nightmare. Like that's that's that sucks in all the moms. They all do you, have nightmares. Do you go on lifetime runs? Cause I I will go on runs where I'll just start watching them for two straight weeks. And it's always, you know, the nanny that comes in. Basically, they try to keep remaking him that rocks the cradle right. in many different ways. But it's always the nanny, but the mother has a has a back injury or she's coming off some Mm -hmm. medication thing or something and it's kind of kind of loses control of the steering wheel at home mm -hmm. and the nanny starts coming in on the dad a little bit yeah they just remake that 97 different ways yeah and it seems like every time it has an audience i don't get it the uh nanny not coming on to the husband is a father's nightmare i'd like to start producing that stuff where we get like remember tiger's ex-wife elon she moves in and doesn't find me attractive yeah a father's nightmare what do i do the cold nanny a father's nightmare we have those situations where like i'm in the kitchen in my bathrobe and she's making the kid eggs and she goes don't you think that's a little inappropriate like being in the bathrobe and i'm like it's my house and she's like could you change and i just slink out of the room a father's nightmare i like it let's start developing remember that shane and tweed skinamax movie yeah where she hooked up with everyone in the house yeah, she was I the nanny with the fur it was it was a married couple with a son yeah. And at some point there in the movie, everyone became involved with Shane and Tweed. It's I think it's called be, Scorned. It's, it's, you know, what to do today if you're like a former playmate or a, a nine, but you're 37 years old. Like in the old days, you had Skinamax. You had like this whole middle ground of pornography. Or where Baywatch, you, you could maybe. Do, yeah, you could do an arc on Baywatch, but there was all like my tutor, my whatever, like you're the yeah. person. And if you're willing to show a little booby, you can get paid. Now it's either nothing or you got to go porn or you're like so, full porn or like social media influencer, I would say would be the third path. Yeah. But I don't know who's, who would be listening to Shannon Tweed today? Well, so like what is Denise Richards would be like this generation's Shannon Tweed, right? Yeah. And she's, Kind of, I guess maybe you do reality. Maybe you end up on like Real Housewives. Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah, watch I those shows, a, or you stay away from those shows? I, I watch those shows just for this moment. Just, just for this moment. I uh, lay on top of my bed, 
That's uh, that's full leisure, by the way, when you're on top of all your betting. But not, you know I mean? not under any sheets. Not under anything. Yeah. Certainly not under any obligation to do anything. Just laying on top. Yeah. You got your wife next to you. The only reason I watch those uh, Real Housewife shows is when at some point my wife will find the housewife she doesn't like and she'll go, look at her. She lays around all day. She's got a full-time nanny. She doesn't even have a job. She doesn't even make her kids. And I go, "Uh uh-huh. That's interesting. (laughs) Let me write this down. (laughs) By the way, you're not yelling this down from the roof because you're cleaning the gutters. We're just laying on top of the bed and the nanny's in the other room making eggs for the kitchen. I find it ironic. You know, that's that's what's in it for me. I like that moment. My wife is watching Love is Blind on Netflix. Uh-huh. It's a show where two people, nobody can see each other, mm-hmm. but they spend a lot of time talking, and they form these connections, and they decide they're in love, and then they meet. Yeah. And then it's like, you're not going to believe this, but it doesn't go as well after they meet. It's, it's I, how it plays out, but it's like 12 episodes. The show that ever, that that I feel like my computer and my cable tv package wants me to watch but i just won't watch it is naked and afraid i've 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 done a tour of duty on that show my feeling is like i have shows on the internet called naked and humping for free like i will watch <laughs> that show naked and afraid it's like seeing some fire ants on some guy's junk you know yeah. i don't know i feel like it's a it's a deal breaker i'm like, amazed by how much they blur out on those shows because remember, like, you've been in a lot of editing bays. Mm-hmm. They're dark. You always feel bad for the editor. He's in there for 12 straight hours. Um, right. There's, like, some fast food over on the right, and the yeah. guy's just, like, I, he looks like he's doing a tour of duty, basically. Right. But you add in just blurkling people's junk for <laughs> right. six, seven hours. We're like, hey, uh, kind of saw that guy's sphincter in this one. Can you go back and... <laughs> Fix those seven frames. I saw a hint of a red eye. Could you take that out? Like they yeah. talk about PTSD with the people that do the Facebook when they oh, get rid yeah. of the videos of that. I think the editors who do Naked and Afraid that would be in the same vicinity. I wonder right? I would have PTSD from. I that. wonder and PTSD. I'm glad you brought that up because it's a theme of my made up movie that we're teasing. Great. But I wonder if those guys have that PTSD and like I wonder. If they have a syndrome, like if you do terrestrial radio, like I, I did terrestrial radio for like 14 years, mm. right? And then what, what'll happen is you'll find yourself sitting at a bar with your buddies, having a few beers, like watching a game, and you'll go, listen, I don't give an F or two S's if that C word wants to give a GD and come, and they go like, why don't you just say the word? And you're like, oh, I'm so used to saying F and S. Yeah, you're used like, to GD. deleting yourself. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm editing and deleting. Like, I'm, I'm blurring. I'm tiling myself out because I'm so used to saying it during the week that I can't shut it off. And I wonder if that editor, when he's suffering from his PTSD, like, goes back to his home and when his wife steps out of the shower and wants to become intimate, he sees her genitalia tiled <laughs> it's out. It's a giant blur, girl. <laughs> a giant blur. Like, he can no longer enjoy his wife's form anymore because every time he sees boobies, it just looks like a cloud. <laughs> it could be a syndrome. You know what I wanted to talk to you about? I haven't talked to you 
<laughs> Blurkle syndrome. Blurkle syndrome. I, I have some syndromes from you too. I have. I, I, do you know that uh, I I suffer from um, uh, my wife su- suffers from canine hydration disorder, which is she's obsessed with the dog in the water and any dog in any water. Like oh, I've, making sure they're yeah, hydrated I've properly. My dog down the street and had middle-aged women pull over and offer bottles of water for my dog. Like once a woman hits 40, she becomes obsessed with the hydration of their dog. And when my wife is it like when she leaves for two days, she's like, she doesn't say anything. She just goes, you make sure Phil's got water. He's got to have water. Like, why doesn't he have water? Like, she'll come back and go, why isn't it? The kitchen could be on fire. She'd walk like right past and go, there's no water in Phil's. So she has female canine hydration disorder. That's a good one. And. I, I'd like to invent this because everyone's getting me too and everything. Uh-oh. I'm, I'm Kyle, get the edit button ready. I have RCS. I have restless cock syndrome, which I think many men are afflicted with. Or just constant adjustment? It's just, I, I don't know. You're never just, happy it never, with your cock it never feels like it's in the right place. It always wants attention. You know, it acts out like... I could get a note from Dr. Drew that say we all have restless cock syndrome and it would cover a lot of RCS lot of troubles. Yeah. Restless cock syndrome. <laughs> 3.8 billion men are afflicted with restless cock Especially syndrome. Especially in the summers. It gets oh, really yeah. tough. Yeah. Balls get involved. Mm, yeah. <laughs> oh, my balls can't talk them down. Not with the restless, not with the RCS. If you suffer RCS. <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. The only person I know who hates the concept of dogs on airplanes more than me is you. Uh-huh. I did a hottest take about uh, unless it's a service dog. Right. The people that have now decided I'm going to get a note from my buddy who's a doctor. Yeah. Now I get to bring my golden retriever on on the plane with our family because we don't want to pay for the, the dog to get boarded for a week. Sure. Uh, but we really need this dog. And you just see these people with their golden retriever in their lap or they're sitting in first class with a seat for the second seat for the dog. We've lost our minds. It, it, I love animals. We both have dogs. We've all lost our minds with the dog thing. 
there's a, I've been on a few flights. I was sitting in first class. There was another dog in first class right next to me, just right across the aisle. And another dog was walking to coach and they got into like a <laughs> class warfare battle. Like they scrapped it out at my feet. Like they were going at it. Yeah. The dog who was going into coach didn't like the, the elite look on the first class dog. <laughs> and it's insane that there's a dog fight on a plane. I would say. There's also, when we have our next major commercial airline disaster, they're going to have to do that thing where it's like 286 passengers, uh, nine crew members, and 51 dogs. Right. Like They're going to give a dog body count oh on the God. next commercial flight, right? And like I it, think both of our wives would be more upset about the dogs. Oh, all women, oh, I know, would be more... 51 dogs? Like, honestly, like, if you go... If you said 300 people died on the plane and nine dogs, they'd go, ooh, yeah, that's part of that hydration syndrome we're talking about. But I had two things. I had... <clears throat> I was flying to Seattle... You know when you sit in the very front, you have the bulkhead just against you, and you're in the very front of the plane, and you put your backpack down, and they go, sir, you can't have your backpack there. You have to stow it up above you because there's no seat to slide yeah. it under because there's no seat in front of you. Me and Mike August got yelled at for putting our backpacks in front of us. Meanwhile, there's a medium-sized Labrador <laughs> across the aisle laying against... Yeah. And, and all I'm saying is, is if there's an emergency and we have to exit the plane, what's more difficult? Like stepping over a Jansport backpack or stepping over a 90 pound dog who's on the move, panicked, running up and down the aisle? Like yeah, you would think the, the goal of a plane would be if there is chaos, you would want the people in the plane to be as controlled as possible. I'm positive that dogs... Can't help. Would not be a great and idea. And then also, what about the nut, the wackadoodle nut job, middle-aged broad, who you're trying to get off the plane, but she's Did you going say back. broad? Broad. I'm being pejorative. <laughs> We're not to say that anymore. I called her a wackadoodle. I called her a nut job, <laughs> and now I'm calling her broad. What are you, like Jackie Gleason? These are pejorative. <laughs> <laughs> she's going to circle back and go for her dog. She's not going to want to hit the inflatable slide True. she's gonna want to make sure she's got her dog with her i was just watching don't ask why but uh my that son dame needs to be dame. banned from the airport listen missy <laughs> yeah my son and i were watching amityville horror with james brolin yeah which i still feel like is one of the great horror movies of all time it's also terrible oh but but yeah. at the and he slowly goes insane during the movie from the house sure the house drives nobody ever makes the larger connection that oh five people were shot to death in this house a year ago maybe there's right. something wrong with it about two-thirds of the way through the movie they figure out that the gateway to hell is in the basement they right. still don't move right and he's <laughs> unraveling losing his mind and finally almost ends up killing the family snaps out of it blood starts coming out of the stairs goo's coming out of the toilet and they're like we got to get the fuck out of here like they're gathering the kids they're just sprinting out of this house before it kills them they're in the van. They're about to leave. And they're like, what about Larry? Larry, the black lab. Mm -hmm. And all the kids are looking at him like, dad gets out of the car. He goes to get That's Larry, right. goes into this house that is combusting, has the gateway to hell, yeah. has blood goo coming out of the walls. Larry um, goes, finds it, falls in the basement, falls in, gets Larry, brings the dog out. And I'm, I love dogs. Not I'm out of there. Oh Yeah. I've never had a dog in my life, and I'm like, you're right. I, we should go back. 
get no. the dog. It's no. an amazing dog moment. If I was walking my dog and you pulled over and you said, <laughs> I'll trade you this burrito for your dog, <laughs> I wouldn't say yes, but I would say what's in the burrito. Right. Like, cause you'd at least ask. If it was a pork burrito with fresh guac. And where's and, it from? Yeah, if it's Chipotle and it's up the street, if it's Taco Bell, I need three burritos. <laughs> if it's Chipotle, I would ask. I'm not saying I'd trade. I'm just saying I was asked. Yeah, I got a good Brolin story for you. Here's why. Well, you you and Josh. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, no, this you, is a James. But, I mean, you and Josh, you've gone a couple around. You've hung out with Josh. He's a fun guy. Um, Brolin, <clears throat> here's how I know we're doomed when it comes to the whole climate change thing. Yeah. Okay. He lives in uh, Malibu with Babs, right? Um, Barbara Streisand is very much invested in the movement, you know, climate change and recycling and, and all the ozone and, and the Green New Deal. She's very much invested in that. I like when people are invested in that, but then they also fly by private plane. Yeah, and they also live in like 16,000 square feet, <laughs> which is like probably burning a few kilowatts, but she's into the movement. <laughs> he came to do my podcast. He goes, when we were done doing the podcast, he goes, you're a car guy, right? And I go, oh, yeah, I'm a car guy. I showed him all the Newman race cars and everything in the other shop. He goes, well, check out what I got. He's driving a fully loaded 2016 Ford Raptor. The Ford Raptor is basically a trophy truck, like a, like, like a, like 500 or 1,000 miles of Baja, Baja 500, trophy truck, just street legal. And then he goes to me, you know, I got to 2016. And I said, well, why didn't you get a new one? And he goes, oh, because after 2016, they switched to a turbocharged V6. This has the V8 in it. And I'm like, oh, it burns more fossil fuels. <laughs> like the guy who's married to Babs couldn't right. even drive an off-road truck. First off, nobody needs that off-road truck in Los Angeles. True. But he's still driving an off-road truck, and he's driving the one with a naturally aspirated V8 in it, which gets much worse mileage than the V6 with the turbo. I have a Jeep question for you. Yeah. So you know those... Uh the, what are those the Land Rovers from ninety? The Defenders, Defenders yeah. from like ninety four, ninety five, ninety six, ninety seven, and they're like impossible to find online. They only mm -hmm. made a few of them. Jeeps that basically become convertibles, but they're sturdy. Right. And then the Jeep Wrangler has tried to make their version of this, but it's not like the Mac Daddy version. Right. Why hasn't one of these companies made the Mac Daddy Jeep? The well, there's awesome a, version of those. There's a lot of aftermarket companies you could right. bring your stock Jeep to and yeah, have but, it what, but why do I have to do that? Why can't? Why doesn't Jeep do it? Why can't they just make like an awesome one? Well, why do? Why does everyone have to soup these up? This is my car yeah. question of the day for okay. you. Okay, um, about twelve, ah, God, fifteen years ago, uh, VW came out with like the Phaeton or something. A VW and the it Phaeton. had yeah, I think it was called the Phaeton. And it was like a sounds v, like a new casino. It was like a W twelve cylinder motor in it, and it was like a hundred thousand dollars. And it was probably two thousand and five or seven or something like 04, that. I see. What's that? Oh four here. Oh four, right? And the sticker price was like ninety seven thousand dollars, and nobody would pay ninety seven thousand dollars for a VW. So that was it. That's, That's our it. answer. So they go. Who's going to pay $104,000 for a Jeep? Because so many people are into the brand. You know what I mean? The, the label. So 
so Genesis, Genesis just became Genesis. They're not Hyundai Genesis anymore. They're just Genesis because they realized the Hyundai was holding them Throwing down. Throwing people off. Right. So your answer is probably Jeep doesn't think they can make their money back on a $107,000 Jeep, but Jeep can sell a $46,000 product and then you can take it somewhere and pay them 55000 bucks. That makes sense. I, I knew did. you'd be able to explain that to me. How many cars are you up to these days? I have 12 Paul Newman race cars now and i'm up to i don't know maybe 25 or something 2025 overall this is like you could have just bought like baseball cards and it would have just been so much easier it instead you have these cars that you that are super expensive and you have to store in various places Mm -hmm. but this is like this whole market that it's you and like nine other people are at this whole other level of car collecting yeah, I well, I can't imagine anyone has more Paul Newman cars than you. No, do. no, I don't think anyone has more. I don't think anyone has three Paul Newman cars. Um, but you know, I drive them. I mean, I race them too, so I get to at drive what point, them. At what point do you have to retire from racing? Because I feel like my reflexes. I turned fifty. I feel like my eyesight and re- you, you remember, yeah. I'm one of the world's great drivers. The, what? I don't. No. You you saw me oh, in action. We drove home from Vegas. You made it in three hours. Yeah, it was, I'm one of the great ones. But yeah. now I feel like I'm past my prime. Well, Newman drove until he was like 82. Like he was able. It's really? ironic that I have Jesus. all these Newman cars. But he drove 82? until 82. It was on the side of his car. What ends up happening is what you lose a little in reflex and eyesight, you kind of gain in experience. So you, 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 it, I don't know, in a, in a weird way, it's like, I guess it's like being a quarterback when you're 36 or something. Like you kind of lose the, the legs a little bit, or, but or you 43 in Brady's case. Or Brady case. But you, you know the game better. Yeah. Like there's an element of right, that. that makes sense. There's an element of like knowing the game better. Um, speaking of Brady and football, we're now a couple years into this Rams Chargers experience. Mm hmm. And you, you're a Rams fan, mm-hmm. although you're really a fan of whoever you gambled on that week. Yeah, but I like the Rams. We're building I grew this up out here. Yeah, you're a yeah. legit Rams fan, but um, they're building this giant stadium that looks like it's going to end up costing like six million dollars. And yeah, it's like two. I think I heard it was like two point something billion. No, that's something. what it was supposed to be. Oh, that's but what now it was we're up to toward five. Oh, right, because yeah. it was way more expensive than they thought. Right. The weirdest part of this whole thing is that the Chargers are involved. Mm-hmm. It's like people don't care about the Clippers, but at least they're relevant because they've been here a while. And right. it's an NBA team. Now they have Kawhi. Um, the Angels, they're in Anaheim. There's like Angels fans are just different than Dodgers fans. It makes yeah. sense, the delineation of those two right. things. Um, the Kings and the Mighty Ducks, same thing. In this case, I don't know what the roadmap for success is for the Chargers in Los Angeles, where you you barely have enough fans for the Rams. A lot of the people like the Raiders. Most people are transplants, which you invite right. over to your house every Sunday to watch football, and right. everybody's rooting for a team that's not an LA team. Literally, what is the path to success for the Chargers if they if they hired you and they were like, "Please help us out. How well, do we win in LA?" What would you tell them? First thing, what. You know, they just dealt Rivers or Rivers is going to go somewhere. Yeah. 
man, the worst thing that could happen to your team is to get that quarterback who's good but not great, and he's just there for 13 lackluster. Like Matthew Stafford. Yeah, just wins enough to never bench him or deal him, never wins any playoff games, never goes to the show, but you can never really get rid of him because he's putting up numbers. You know? You're like Noah Wiley on ER. Yeah, yeah. He can't be the lead of the show, right. but... Yeah, much better to flame out, you know, Ryan like Clooney. Yeah, yeah, just you get flame four... out or go Clooney, but don't don't just hang out and put up decent decent stats. Do you think if they got Brady, it would change how people cared about the Chargers in L.A.? Because I actually don't think people would care. No, I've been around long enough to remember when Namath came to the Rams. Oh yeah, and man, I, was he broken down? Yeah, he was totally broken down at that point, and. It's just like, yeah, we know the name, but also, you know, the thing about sports is you don't get to coast very long on your reputation. It's like pushing a car with four flat tires. It's just like all Brady would have to do is have two games in a row where he threw three picks and it's like, it's immediately over. Who cares? They'd be calling for whoever the next kid is to come up off the bench. I don't, uh, I think they have to deal you know, rivers will be dealt and then they'll get some great mobile quarterback from college, like some highlight reel, like Tua, some trade yeah. up for Tua or something. Yeah. Or some young Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Tua, like something like that. Some exciting electric mobile new, new breed NFL quarterback. Um, by the way, the greatest thing to happen to Michael Vick is all these great running quarterbacks in the league now because we used to just talk about him and dogfighting for like the last five years. And now it's not since Michael Vick, not since Michael Vick. And now all of a sudden he's back on the, the happy side of history, yeah, right? Definitely. The other thing we haven't talked about. So one of the first times you came on my podcast, you did a whole fake movie for Pedophile, mm, which yeah. was your action movie where a plane carrying the president lands on this island that is basically escaped from New York where they've just decided to put all the worst people on the in the world, including a lot of pedophiles. It was a Cub Scout troop originally. It was a Cub Scout troop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I screwed that up. Yeah. So Cub Scout troop <laughs> lands in pedophile, and then they have to kind of fight their way out, and we did a yeah. couple versions. It was the most popular fake movie done on my podcast. Then... I get this email all the time. When are you talking to Crow about this? And I don't mean to make light of it, but it, we have to at least talk about it. Jeffrey Epstein, yeah. one of the worst people we've produced in the last 50 years, actually had an island yeah. that it seemed like terrible stuff was happening yeah. and it seemed like the real life pedophile. And it's almost so crazy. I can't wrap my head around it. You did that on my 09, maybe 2009. This is a running bit yeah. we did on a podcast. Yeah. Well, I'd like to talk about it, but my attorneys, I'm suing the estate for ripping <laughs> off my idea. So I, I can't. Hope he didn't, I hope you didn't get the idea from the podcast. Well, I, you know, Garagos has done, I shouldn't, I probably shouldn't say yeah, anything, right. but it's he's a, done some due diligence, as he calls it. And uh, how fucking crazy was that? Purchased the island in 2011. So. 
Who did we have initially? Shia LaBeouf was the lead. It was younger Shia LaBeouf. I think LaBeouf was in there. I think John Hamm was the dad. He gets taken down. Yeah, yeah. They, they crash landed. They have to survive on the island. I think one of the things that I found interesting is the island had broken off into pockets. You yeah. know, sort of. Different tribes. Yeah, like when you do those Escape from New York's or warrior type movies, you know, you run into, you know, the bear population. <laughs> you run into the an otter population. I don't even know what's going on anymore. So, but they have the different populations, you know. It's on YouTube if anyone wants to listen to it. It really is your finest work. It's I, powerful. Listen, I can't believe... Uh, this whole remake culture we're in now, especially where they remake movies as TV shows, I can't believe they haven't redone Escape from New York. Well, they like, yeah, and make it like you could do Brooklyn. Oh right, yeah, they got it. New I mean, York, they, like just make, make it like man, New York's falling apart. Now we're putting all the criminals in Brooklyn. There's no way out, and yeah. just make that like a twelve episode TV series. It's basically the Purge, but better. Well, I mean, obviously they Escape from L.A. Which man is dated? Boy, they, that's a tough one. The special effects are. I didn't pretty really rough like on that, that one, one in the time. No, but not. Escape from New York's iconic. Yeah, well, I got a movie. Let's do here. it. Let's do it now, and then we can talk about uh, Uppity the, after. Okay, the movie that I did that wasn't Uppity. <laughs> um, it's called um, PTS Drone. Not PTSD, but the D stands for drone. Got it. PTS drone. So we go into the future. Now, here's the move. It's 2027. I don't want to do that thing where it's the year is 4040 because I'm already out. We're dead. My kids are dead. Their kids are dead. Everyone I know is dead. I want to pick a time where you go, wait a minute. My son's going to be 20. You know what I mean? Like we got to live in this world. All right. All these drones are now being used by the military. Now, exclusively. I mean, we're kind of at the point now where we don't need boots on the ground. We get drones, you know. And the drones have artificial intelligence. Mm. And the drones, when we're done with the conflict, come back and they have PTSD. The drones have PTSD. The drones are scarred. They're scarred. Amazon says, you know what? No one knows they have the PTSD. It doesn't show, you know. Amazon hires the drones to do the deliveries. Now there's a whole fleet of domestic drones that have been hired by Amazon to drop off packages, but they start malfunctioning with the PTSD and shooting into the kitchen and going after people. And now we have this whole group of artificial intelligence PTSD, military drones, and they're all going wild in the United States, and we can't control them. We got one kid, and I think it's either Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> it's too old. Timothy. Uh, well, Timothy. Uh, Timothy uh, Char- Chalamet. Chalamet. Yeah. Oh yeah. Him. Him. Chalamet. This guy was a championship Fortnite player, took everything until there was a big Fortnite scandal and he was drummed out of the circuit, right? Now he's back at home, he's eating cereal, his dad wants him to get a job. Somebody's got to fight these drones. Yeah. Now, the only drones we have are the old school drones that don't have artificial intelligence, but someone's got to fly those drones. I mean, from, from a... 
from a, an area, from a bunker, but someone physically needs to fly those drones. Right. They don't fly themselves like the new ones do. And there's only one kid who can do it. It's Chalamet. Tim, Chalamet, right. Or the Sha- who's Chalamet's dad, who's overbearing and keeps telling him to get a job, but doesn't realize Chalamet is saving the world. Mm. J.K. Simmons? Yeah, J.K. A little K. too close Sim- to Whiplash? Yeah, yeah. Ham? Want to work Ham in here? Yeah, Ham. Ham's gray, always- Gray the sides of his hair so he looks a little older. He comes in, divorced dad, got custody. Yeah. Kid was, you know, we see the room when we first see him, we pan to all the trophies on the wall from all these- all, you know, all the battle. Now they have all this yeah. esports and everything. You know, it's all the all that. And then we pan down to him just eating Fruit Loops. You know, sitting on a futon because he's banned from the circuit. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, but now the mili- We have that thing where the military shows up. You know, the SUVs come pulling up. Who plays Bezos? Because I feel like at some point they mm. have to go to Bezos and be like, "Hey, man." Mm. These drones thing, we right. we got to stop the operation. It's yeah, they're I think malfunctioning. We, we get Cranston to shave his head. That's nice. a big move. I like he that. He shaves his head, right? We have Cranston with a shaved head. He's Bezos. He's talking about how much money they could save using the military drones. You know, building the drones themselves. He can get them for pennies on the dollar from the from the military. It's surplus. We don't they don't need them anymore. And then someone has to do that thing where it's like, well, these are weapons of war. Yeah, but we'll just rechip them. They'll just put the new chip in. They'll be fine. Like, I don't know. You need the scene where they go to Bezos and they tell him, look, everything has to stop. And he goes, nothing stops. Right. Right. I like that. Have to have that. Right. I also have a better title for you. Mm. The droning. The droning. Yeah. It's good. I like the PTS drone. You like PTS like, drone? Well, it's tough. I, I, I'd i have to massage it But it's it got to follow bit. your rule that they have to... Say the title of the movie in, in dialogue the during the movie. Yeah. So we have the scene where the blacked out Chevy Suburbans all pull up to the apartment with Ham answers the door. You know, he's wearing his boxer shorts. He's like, what? He's like, is your boy in there? He's like, what'd he do this time? Is he in trouble? So you have that thing where now the military has to coax him into this one last. And you know, he, he says after he left the circuit, he'd never pick up another joystick some point they pull him to the bunker you know in cheyenne mountain you know right inside the bunker and he can run has a whole fleet on his i think we need a voice i think the drone morgan freeman needs a voice uh, i was thinking that thing but i think a little more uh jaden smith like like will smith kids like a younger sassy urban kind of thing maybe you know, somebody with a high social media profile yeah talking back you know, that kind of thing. Of course, we got to clear this all through China first. You know, so you want to sure call this PTS good. drone? Well, that's the working title. That's the working title. But I, I, you said, know, we I don't know how they say it. that in the in the dialogue, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe we have it for the slug line. Like maybe maybe we do the uh, droned and then at the bottom we go post-traumatic stress drone. Or something like at the bottom, you know. That's at the bottom of the poster. Is it, are you the most jealous of the purge of any movie that somebody actually made that we could have just thought of on a podcast? <laughs> it's really, like, I'm kind of mad. We've spent so much time together over the years. I'm mad we didn't come up with that. The sad part about all our 24 hours, all crimes are all are legal. Our, it's all like the, had, all the stupid ideas. The problem with all the stupid ideas is, I was. 
when you sit around with the guy who makes it fast and furious in Hobbs versus Shaw and you go grand theft submarine, that's where the submarine, the Soviet sub pulls up to Pebble beach and there's cars on the, out on the lawn that are millions and millions of dollars. And it's a former Soviet sub and it's been commandeered by like some, you know, black market guys and they were going to load them all up. and, And he just sits there and goes, yeah, that would work. Right. <laughs> you like, can do that. I'm like, you're like under siege, crossed with tin cup. Yeah, that's right. Crossed with toy soldiers. That's like, right. Okay. Uh, yeah, I thought of, I didn't do this with you, but I did half baked ideas with Kevin Wilds used to come on my old podcast and we do these ideas that were like halfway there, not totally there. And I had a whole idea about leap year, which is every four years. Right. Every leap year. There's no, the police disappears for a day. Anything can happen. Mm, well, that, yeah. So I so said that in the 2013. Purge. Then the right. purge happened in 2015. I have no idea if leap year affected the purge. So it's basically the same idea. Yeah. I don't know if I should get the attention. Well, I mean, obviously, as part of the lawsuit, you know, Epstein was probably we'll listening. That you know, there. he listens. He, I don't I don't say he did it because of it, but uh, it seems that there's, there's things that indicate he may have. Um. Can you talk about your new documentary? Oh, yeah. Uppity. It's on uh, Netflix as we speak. Oh, we got three movies on Netflix. We have Uppity, we have Shelby American, and we have The 24-Hour War, which is Ford v. Ferrari. So speaking of movies we made that they then made, we made the documentary The 24-Hour War like four years ago. And And then then that Ford v. Ferrari. It's the same, same movie. And also, we were working on Shelby, who was Matt Damon's character. Uh, Uppity's Willie T. Ribs story. It's the first black driver at Indy. And it's just a crazy story. It's like a Jackie Robinson story that nobody knows about. It's 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 that, you know, people know about a lot of inter- I watched it. I learned a lot. I, about- I didn't. I, my memory of him was just like, oh, yeah, that was the one black guy that raced cars. Right. I, other than that, I didn't remember anything. But, but yeah, I mean, he was definitely uh, a little more polarizing than I remembered. I didn't know well, anything about that world. The thing that was it's interesting about Willie T is it's it's the if you watch the doc, you're not. It's it's like it's unclear. Is it racism or is it because he was just a dude that didn't play by the rules? He didn't you give know, any he shit. just did his own thing. Yeah, and that world. It's kind of a little buttoned down. Like they just, yeah. nobody would jump on the roof of their car and celebrate and do the Ali shuffle and stuff like that. It just, we didn't do that. They didn't do that. So there, some of the stuff is racism. And then some of the stuff is just, that's not the way we do things, regardless of the color of your skin. And we don't, you don't really know. You have to watch it and kind of see. It's also. He's at, also alive, which helps. He's also alive, which helps. And you have a big interview with him in it. Yeah, he's in fine form, and he's just a great storyteller, and he's a powerful storyteller. And we met him when we were doing Winning the Racing Life of Paul Newman. So we're doing the Newman doc, and when we're doing the Newman doc, Willie was part of that story because Newman helped him get sponsorship to race in Trans Am. So we went out and interviewed Willie for the Newman doc, and then once we were done interviewing Willie for the Newman doc, we are like, this is our next doc. This guy, Willie T. Ribs. Super interesting story. Well, it's and, on Netflix. I have to do the search uppity. 
It's up there. It pops up. And you can go to chassis, C-H-A-S-S-Y.com and get all these things in Blu-ray with all the extras and all the Shelby stuff. And we have them all there. So we have a whole racing website. All right. Now we've hit the point of the podcast. That's just for us mm-hmm. where we get to make fun of Mike August and, uh, and Jimmy. Mm-hmm. I don't know where you want to start. You want to start Mike August? Yeah. So you travel, you've been doing way more stand up, and you, Mike August, who uh, is our longtime friend who used to work for, uh, with Baby Doll Dixon, our agent, mm-hmm. and then mysteriously stopped working for Baby Doll Dixon. We're, not, we're still not sure what happened. Right. Now he's one of the guys that he's, he's like your right hand guy. He runs yeah, your he whole little podcast all empire, shows. all that stuff. And yeah. you guys travel together. Yes. At dinner recently, he told us he moved like an hour and a half away yeah. for a bigger house, but then has an apartment here that he shares with a couple roommates yes. so he can do all his Corolla stuff. Yes. And then we spent most of the dinner talking about that, trying to get more information. I still don't feel satisfied. He bought a house in Yorba Linda. Right, Yorba Linda. Because <laughs> his family wanted like a yard. Yeah. He has to go back and forth all the time from, you know, here, the west side, where I'm at, Glendale and everything else. Yorba Linda, his former condo was in Toluca Lake. So he rented it out, but he rented it out to people who don't mind him living there at the same time. So he's a guy in his early 50s, successful, who has roommates, but also a family in a different location. <laughs> it's a yes. lifetime movie with, with no drama. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a mother's nightmare. That's <laughs> what it is. Uh, and, and, you know, Mike's greatest... Uh... <laughs> Mike's greatest gift is... Eating almost everything all the, all the time, just yeah. just devouring food because I travel with him and he just goes he goes ballistic, and also uh, misunderstanding almost every conversation you 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 have with him. That's another one of his. One it's of, good. One it's of definitely his great definitely trades. somebody about handling your business. <laughs> he oh and he drives like a maniac. He yeah. drives like an insane person. And I'll, I'll give you a great Mike August. Driving like a maniac and misunderstanding what you're saying conversation. It'll all be under one okay. one umbrella. We were doing a show in God, Minneapolis or something. I can't remember the city. We've been all over the country. And Mike like gets the rental car and we're like staying out somewhere in the sticks. And it's like a 40 minute drive in. And the whole time we're talking, it's like show starts at eight. We should roll into town at like seven. We'll eat dinner and then we'll do the show because after the show, everything's going to be closed. And so Mike's like, all right, well, we'll leave at 630. We'll get to the tent. We'll get there at seven and then we'll eat dinner. And then the show's at eight. We'll do the show. And I said, "Okay, that's good. So I'll pile in that SUV. And Mike's driving like a maniac as per usual. Mike has this thing where he doesn't think cops exist in other cities you know that thing where it's like oh i'm not gonna drive that way in la we got cops but i'll go to minneapolis or baltimore and drive like an asshole it's like police yeah they have their own cops it's not like the lapd goes to baltimore they just have their own cops they hand out their own tickets over there he drives like a maniac 
and there's this dude that's driving in the left lane and he's just going like 59 miles an hour and Mike's flipping the high beams at him like get over get over get over <laughs> and when you're in that left lane what happened to us is the most satisfying thing that could ever happen Mike eventually swings out to the right gasses it blasts past him does the hard tuck right in front of him just hard like sends a message slides in front of yeah. him hard and then hauls ass into it. the night right yeah. uh Two minutes later, we get lit up by the cops. We're getting pulled over by the cops as the guy who's driving in the left lane is going past us now laughing because we just slapped his face. Oh, it's tough. As we're getting pulled over, I'm like, Mike, you didn't have to drive like an asshole. He's like, God damn it, we're getting pulled over. And I'm in the passenger seat. I go, Mike, Mike, listen to me. Listen to me. It's, you know, because now it's like six 47 or something you know i go mike mike you're with adam carolla we're going to town show starts at seven okay we're running late show starts at seven and he goes show starts at eight and then he looks back at the cop and i'm like of course i know the show starts at eight right. i'm trying to get your ass out of a ticket you imbecile we talked about going there to eat five times Oh God, I got another great Oh my god. I got another great eating story. The, well the yeah. funniest part about that story is Mike gets the three hundred and eighty dollar speeding ticket, but it has you staying at the Red Roof Inn for like twenty nine dollars. Oh, we only that he doesn't understand the math of that. He won't book a hotel unless it starts with the word airport. That's his thing. It has to have airport in front, and then we can he'll consider booking us there. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think you have to be, I don't think like, I don't think Louis CK could travel the world with Mike. I think he'd be too upset. I, you, guys I are like a, you guys are like an old married couple at this point. I I have a high tolerance for, for I grew up with my buddies in a constant headlock, you know, yeah. trying to pants me or giving a wedgie or, you know, eating, eating stuff that had fur on it from the refrigerator from someone else's house. that was seven days old. Like yeah. I'm good. I can do Mike. I don't think most people could handle it. Um, we got to make fun of Kim a little bit just because, um, you know, he's listening to this entire thing. Well, I'm listen, I don't want to undo any goodwill because I had Huey Lewis on my podcast last week. Oh my God. And of course the, the conversation turned to uh, in praise of Kimmel. And uh, so my stock is very high with Kimmel right now. You don't want to mess with that. I don't want to undo it. I got a nice email saying, uh, you know, thanks for uh, you and Huey. I think you're playing this correctly. That's nice. But I'll go along with you. No, And also, if you're listening, like if Jimmy's listening... You have to understand, I suffer from RCS. I have restless cock syndrome. I don't sometimes think straightly. I don't speak correctly. The things that come out that I'm really not responsible for because I have this syndrome. Yeah. The RCS. But go ahead. No, it's all right. I think you're I think you're right. We should just get a nice text. Thanks for all the nice words. He's a swell friend and a good human being. I concur. <laughs> all right. We can listen to the uh the Adam Crow podcast. Yeah. How many days are you doing it? Four? Five days a week. Five days a week. Yeah. Just go to adamcrawl.com or Podcast One or whatever. Or All right. Google cool. it or something. All right. A pleasure as always. Good to see you.